What a great privilege that we enjoy again this evening. As God's family to get together and enjoy one another. Enjoy the fact that we can lift our hearts to worship the one true and the living God. Thank you for this congregation and all that you do for the glorious kingdom. May many souls always be gathered is our intent and purpose. Tonight I want to share with you a few thoughts on a sermon that I have been requested to use. God's unspeakable gift. To introduce it, I'm going to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14 and 15. There the writer said, And by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Out of these two verses, I want to talk about the grace of God and that unspeakable gift that has been given to every one of us this evening. I just hope we can appreciate what God has done for us. When you come to the word exceeding, what does that mean to you? Something that is exceeding grace. The word exceeding means to surpass or go beyond. So God went beyond what was necessary for us that we might have salvation and be Christians today. My question is, how do we think about the grace of God? Do we appreciate it? How important is it to you tonight to know something about the grace of God? Because of denominational preaching in years past, we have shied away from the subject of grace. But oh, it's so important. Look in Titus chapter 2 beginning at verse number 11. Paul said, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men. All men can know and understand the grace of God. That grace of God is given to every individual, but they have to reach out and accept it. It's not something that's just going to be automatically poured upon them. But notice the next verse. That grace of God has appeared unto all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for and hastening. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So when we think about the grace of God, it has been extended, offered to all people everywhere. But only few will accept it, believe it, and obey it. 
And the next verse said, who gave himself for us, that he might cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. So there are a lot of things that we need to teach fervently and zealously that we as Christians will follow the great grace of God that he has given to us. Now go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse number 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that as Christians, as God's family, we sit together in high places? This is not just an ordinary group of worldly people that have assembled together here. We are God's children. Be thankful for that blessing that's ours. That in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The grace of God has been so misunderstood by so many people today. They think we are saved by the grace of God. Then everybody's going to be saved because the grace of God has appeared to everybody. But not everybody has reached out and accepted it. We are saved by grace through faith. That's not just a common belief in Jesus Christ. That is an obedient faith that we do the things that he has asked and commanded of us to do. Now look in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 9. Paul said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Look what Jesus sacrificed to come to this world to live as a human being and go to that cross and give his life and suffer and bleed and die. He gave it all up that we might be rich. He's not talking about a million dollar rich. He's talking about rich in the blessings of God for our salvation. 2 Timothy 1 and verse number 9, Paul again said, Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So what we're talking about today is an old plan of God. Even before he created this world, before he created a human being, he had made a way 
for their salvation. <clears throat> and that includes me and you today. In Acts 20 and verse number 32, Paul said, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. You want to be built up? Go to the word of his grace. Read, study, meditate, and think about the things that God would have us to know. When you look at the word grace, you want to give it a definition? The one that's most popular today is an unmerited favor. So then I look at the word merit. What does it mean? It means to earn something or to deserve something. And there's not a human being on earth today that earns or deserves what Christ and God the Father has offered unto us. All, he, all we can be saved by the grace of God through an obedient faith. Grace is the offering. God has offered salvation to all. Faith is the acceptance of that grace that God has offered that we might be saved. So then I get to the point that there is no gift without a giver and a receiver. Takes both to have a gift. So the gift of salvation is offered, but it must be received. Look at song number 119 in your songbook. Jacob, will you lead that for me? I'll have thought about this sermon and I've thought about this song for two or three weeks and I've not yet sung it. So tonight we're going to sing it. Thank you, Brother Jacob. Appreciate that. I hope we get the message that grace is something wonderful that God has done for us. And the other thing that I want to look at in these verses that we read to begin with was God's unspeakable gift. The word unspeakable would carry with it something that we cannot describe. I don't think there's a man alive today that can describe the gift that God has given for us today. He said it's an unspeakable gift. I can't describe it. I don't think you can describe it. So God has given an unspeakable gift. What in the world is that unspeakable gift? Well, the verse that comes to my mind to start with is the one that everybody loves so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gift of God to this world tonight. His only begotten son. What a gift. 
He gave his son to die on the cross. As he was being born in Matthew 1 and verse number 21, said, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That was the reason, the purpose of Jesus coming to this world, that people might be saved. That wasn't an accident that happened that he got the Romans mad and they crucified him. Wasn't an accident that the Jews persisted that he be crucified. That was the love of God that he has for us today. Look in the book of 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse number 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the perpetuation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved one another, we ought also. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. If God loved us enough to give his son, I'll look at every one of you and say, my brother or sister, and love you as a family of God. He came to be the atoning sacrifice for my sins and for yours. That atoning sacrifice, Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He wanted everybody to be saved. He said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now, isn't that simple? Jesus put it in a way that we can understand. You believe that he is the son of God, be willing to follow his ways, his words, his commandments, and then humbly be submitted to a watery grave of baptism. To wash away your sins, you might be saved. Now read with me in Luke, the 24th chapter, beginning at verse number 46. And he said unto them, This it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now, can we find anywhere that this was fulfilled? In the city of Jerusalem? 
that they would preach repentance and remission of sins after that the power or the promise of the Father came upon them? Turn to Acts, the second chapter, and look at verse number five. It said, There were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. We're in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit came upon them in the first part of that chapter. And you get down to verse number 26. Therefore Peter said, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the other apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise, for the promise is unto you and to your children, and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this underward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. In the city of Jerusalem, Peter stood up and he preached. Did he preach repentance that Jesus told them? Yes. He commanded that they repent. Did he preach remission of sins? Yes. He said and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. What's the purpose of baptism? For the remission of sins. Hebrews 5 verses 8 and 9 said, Though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Do you understand that you have an eternal salvation? Or well, you can lose it. Your choice. But being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So why do brethren stand in this pulpit continually and teach us that we need to obey the will of God? Because our eternal salvation depends upon it, doesn't it? 1 Timothy 1 and verse number 15, Paul said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am chief. The purpose of the coming of Jesus was for the salvation of those that were living contrary to him that were called sinners. That was why he came. Go with me to Romans chapter 5 beginning at verse number 8. Here Paul said, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we should be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. We received our forgiveness granted through Jesus Christ. Romans the third chapter while you're in that book. Romans 3 beginning at verse number 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Puts us all in the same category, doesn't it? Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God has set forth to be the perpetuation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. He said, so declare I. No, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be the just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. God had to be just. Every sin had to be paid for. They offered a lot of animal sacrifices under the Old Testament. That wouldn't pay for sin. Every year they had to remember their sin and offer another sacrifice. Only the blood of Jesus Christ was powerful enough to forgive sins. And when Jesus died on the cross, we think that's for us. Yes, it was for us. But it was also for those Old Testament characters that had faithfully followed the faithful things that God had asked for them to do. He had to be just Sin had to be paid for, and Jesus paid the price. Now, after that, he is justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. He is justified if we believe in Jesus Christ and follow him and accept the great salvation that he offers. There was a man in Acts, the eighth chapter. I'm not going to read all of these verses. You remember the story of Philip and the eunuch? How he was riding along in his chariot reading Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip to go join yourself to the chariot. And he went and he sat down and as they were riding along, he asked the man, understandest thou what thou readest? He said, how could I accept some man should guide me? So Philip began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they were riding along in that chariot, they came to some water. And the man said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, if thou believest, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. They both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. They both came up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, 
but he went on his way rejoicing. That man had done exactly what Jesus told people that they must do to accept and enjoy the great salvation that he came to offer. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. In the book of Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse number 24, the writer said, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Do we testify the gospel of the grace of God? Do we tell people about the good news of the grace of our God that has freely bought our salvation? If we receive it. In Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse number 15. So, but now, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. By the transgression of Adam in the beginning brought sin into the world, but yet by the gift of the grace of God to give us Jesus Christ, his son, purchased our salvation. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. As I bring my thoughts to a close tonight, I ask you a question. What's your gift worth to you? What's the grace of God and the gift worth to you tonight? Jesus said, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Quite a comparison, wouldn't you say? That's the great salvation that we enjoy tonight. It's worth more than all of the world put together. When you look at Hale County and the great amount of blessings physically are here. Put a dollar on it. Would you give your soul for it? How about Texas with all of its oil and all of its natural resources and all of the farmers that grow crops? Would you give your life for that? But Jesus said the whole world, all of its gold, it's silver, it's assets. He said, if you gain all of that and you lose your soul, what have you been profited? 
What would you give in exchange for your soul? You look at your heart tonight. Is there something amiss that you need to make clear, that you need to make right? You have an opportunity for the congregation to help you with your soul salvation and the things that you need to clear up tonight, either in obedience to the gospel or return home because of mistakes that have been made. If the congregation can help you, would you come? Us together, we stand and sing.